This episode has a trigger and content warning. I didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot. Paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. Beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best squawk you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the, the Black, Black Cat, Cat Report. Report. See you on the other side. I confess. Having received a videotape with copies of Slubco's films, I did not imagine that I would see such a thing. I did not imagine how wild and depressing the impression these terrible documents would make. It seems that we are used to everything. Television makes us constant contemplators of catastrophes, epidemics, violent terrorist attacks, and video masterpieces further lower our threshold of sensitivity. Savoring the bloody scenes of neorealistic detective stories and sadomasochistic thrillers. However, I assure you that what Slevko shot cannot be reproduced by any author of any horror film. Dead silence. Only a color picture on the screen, and in front of your eyes, a child is dying in agony. Moreover, the sadist, cold-bloodedly fixing the convulsions of the agonizing boy from time to time himself gets into the frame. He not only shoots death, but voluptuously admires it. On the screen, the body of the victim, dressed by the killer in a pioneer uniform, is laid on a white sheet. Spasms are less and less. The next frame is a severed head, framed by severed legs. The camera zooms in close to the dead child's face, distorted by a frozen grimace of suffering and fear. The film is quite long, or maybe it seems like that. I admit, I could only watch it to the end once. It was quite enough to feel the grave cold just from the very idea of the one who was the screenwriter, director, cameraman, and spectator in one person. Modesto N.S., an investigator in the case of Antoli Slavico. So, today, for episode 10 of the Black Cat Report, we are going to be covering one of the most disturbing, um, hardest-hitting serial killers in world history. Because of his placement behind the Iron Curtain um, during the Cold War, he's largely been ignored and been pushed back into obscurity, but I assure you, he is just as complicated and disgusting and complex as Manson, as Gein, as Coral, as any of the serial killers you can think of that have gained a disgusting notoriety in the world. Joining us today in studio is Betsabe. Hello. Selena. Hello. And myself. And in spirit, Joey. Our primary sources today, we've uh, dug very hard for. Um, they are a collection of documents that we have found um, behind a lot of sketchy websites out of Russia. And I have taken the time to convert these over into documents that are safe to go view. And they will be available in the show notes along with a link to the original source. I do want to say ahead of time, please have a good antivirus program before you go to these links. And with all that said, let's begin episode 10. Now, there are a lot of misidentifications and incorrect information online about Slivko and his crimes. Names of the children, dates, and ages are often mixed up, just to name a few. 
what we would like to provide is a more comprehensive overview of what he did and who was involved, as well as a, a more solid approach to the events and timeline. Um, writing the script with me today is Selena, which I'm very stoked about. Hello. <laughs> um, we read a lot of messed up stuff. <laughs> yes, we did. And, um, and I think, uh, I think she can also, uh, agree with this, that, um, Slivko, um, although he is in the obscurity, almost every website, when you actually look at the dates at the names, at the types of crimes that are committed, there are contradictions once you start digging into him as a character, as a as a person who committed a series of events and created a series of victims. It is incredibly difficult <laughs> to nail this dude down, but we are we are pushing forward and we want to deliver that. What do you mean by contradictions? Um, little things. Um, so as we'll kind of, uh, discover in this episode, things like, um, you know, uh, major life events that happen to him and when he commits, uh, certain crimes, certain, uh, despicable deeds, right? Um, when you actually s dig through the research, when you start, you know, going at it, and you start saying, okay, this happened on this date in 1960-whatever, and this happened on this date in 1970-whatever, you start to realize different articles, even on um, websites that are reputable, are disagreeing by years about what they say. And then you, you scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you try to look at the references, the resources for it, and you're like, oh, they're literally not citing anybody. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's, and... it's very annoying. <laughs> Well, I mean, all we can say is, you know, we, we dug in, um, one of the main, um, resources today is going to be, um, the translation of a, um, of a Russian, uh, true crime TV show, right? And I'm going to give more credit to a Russian true crime TV show that is quoting the detectives. It's quoting the testimony. It's more or less, I mean, in a global sense, local to where it's at than to websites that aren't actually giving references <laughs> to anything. So found it, very messed up website. Again, please be careful if you go to the link. Okay, I'm not being serious here. Um, but we dug it, we did the dirty work. We're going to get a safe copy out to anybody who really wants to take the time to read, which you should if you're fascinated, if you're interested. But, um, but yeah, that, that's all I got to say on that. Selena, were you going to say something? Yeah, um, even with that being a really great source, they completely left out information for three murders, and we had to go to a different source to find the information for those murders. Yeah. So it's just like everything was a little bit off with this guy. Like you couldn't get all of the information from one place. Now let's get, now into, let's his get into his story. Anatoly Slivko was born on December 28, 1938, in Izerbash, Russia, to a mother whose name is unknown and a father named Yamalan Slivko. At the moment of birth, his umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, strangling, but unfortunately not killing him. And while this type of accident during childbirth wasn't considered rare at the time, in Anatoly's case, it led to lifelong consequences such as random and severe headaches and a neurological disorder known as psychopathy. But we'll speak more on that later. Wow, he's only two years older than my dad. Really? While later in life, he would claim that he grew up in a troubled home, it is incredibly important to note a couple of things. The first, literally no one in the area remembered or reported his family as being dysfunctional or anything other than an ordinary family in a normal home. The second, his early childhood was during World War II. On June 22nd, 1941, when Anatoly was just two years old, the Nazis launched Operation Barbarossa, where they began to invade Russia, effectively ending a prior neutrality that existed between the two countries. This meant at two years old, 
Nazis were invading his country. So if he had any type of um, dysfunctionality in the household, please keep that in context. <laughs> like, not going to be easy for any couple, right? Let's think about the families in Ukraine. Let's think about the families in Syria. Let's think about the families all over the world in countries that don't get any attention because their skin has melanin. So, in this context, the Slivko family was surrounded by direct war for the next few years, but so were countless others who did not become serial killers. And I really, really, really want to drive this home. This is not an excuse to become a serial killer. There was something inherent, right? There I was mean, something innate. Is there ever an excuse to become a serial killer? <laughs> no, no, no. But 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 it's very easy, and and we will speculate during the script about a few key moments but I, I i think we both agree pretty hard having both looked over the script having both studied it selena and i like um there are a few key events which 100 percent track with the um sensations he eventually tries to satiate regardless and to not backtrack but to acknowledge something that will become critical later a specific traumatic episode would take place in 1943 that would follow him through the rest of his life. You see, in 1943, at only five years old, Slivko witnessed a Nazi soldier raise his gun and point at a dog. No. It was like that exact moment that a young boy ran up to protect it. The Nazi then decided to shoot both of them, no. spraying blood everywhere. After this, the soldier walked up and, using the boy's corpse, wiped the blood off of his black boots. What the fuck? They're Nazis. Fuck all of them. Oh my (laughs) gosh. So, to fast forward a little bit, a handful of years. They're not better than that guy. (laughs) (laughs) But... But yeah, so to fast forward a few years, unsurprisingly, kids growing up around Anatoly's age would act out scenes of war and resistance when they would play. And while Anatoly was known for keeping to himself, there are consistent accounts of him often playing a game with other boys where he would act as a partisan, which is basically a Nazi resistance fighter, who had been captured and standing faithful to liberation until the end. This game would end with him literally being hanged by the other boys, often resulting in Slivko becoming unconscious. Again, key point, keep this in mind. Oh my god, so he's been doing that since he's a baby. Since he was a baby, but like also like, you know, when war takes over your life, that becomes your culture. Yeah. You know, like, let's be real, when that's consuming everything around you, you know, People are dying around you, all the clothes around you, the meanings, the symbols, everything around you, like, war becomes your culture. And so, like, again, not throwing an excuse out there, but mm-hmm. but we're pointing to a very specific thing that for whatever reason within Slifko's chemistry, within with him, him as an essence, it carries with him. Almost 100%. like a, like he's building, I guess, like a fetish in a way, you know, like... He's, like, very attracted to that. Very safe safe to assume, but I also want to point out a bunch of other kids probably played this game, too, and didn't go the Slivko route. But for the sake of the story, yes. (laughs) The only reason why we're pointing out these little little moments is because, like, they do 100% track to the end. Mm -hmm. And if somehow they're disconnected... That's even more incredible than them tracking to the end. (laughs) That would be surprising. So, foreshadowing. (laughs) So, at some point in Anatoly's mid to late teens, the Slivko family moved to a new and fast-growing city. Navanmusk. Apologies for the pronunciation. I'm from Ohio. (laughs) So Navanmusk, a.k.a. the City of Chemists. During his life here, growing up in a more or less urban environment, young Anatoly began to display a behavior that we now understand as typical in the childhood of serial killers and nearly textbook in terms of being a definition of psychopathy. You see... 
this is where he picked up the hobby of raising and then calmly slaughtering rabbits. Oh, no. A hobby mm -hmm. considered strange and unnecessary for yeah. someone in the area at that time living in an urban environment. That's Yeah, when we were reading about that, it said that it was very specific that he did not torture the rabbits, mm -mm. but he did it calmly. Yeah. What do you, like, what do you mean calmly? Like, your mom yells at you to, like, go sweep the sidewalk, and you're just like, Ugh. you just, like, walk out there, and you just, like, it's like, there's, like, a drive behind it. That's how I picked up on it. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's more like with like a detached fascination. Mm. Mm, yeah. Like they're like not fully. Like they're excited about it, but not fully like showing it. They're just doing it out of excitement or like. I, I, I like I can not see being able to about. like empathize with the creature that they're interacting with and then just like witnessing their murder like murdering yeah. them and stuff and yeah just it makes being, sense like... it's like when us just us regular humans we kill a spider we still feel like oh, i'm so sorry you yeah. know <laughs> sorry bro yeah <laughs> so to sort of back up what selena was saying to kind of follow up here um with an almost nightmarish detached approach for a young boy holding and taking the life of a living creature. Fucking rabbit, too. They're so cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but this is important because he would come to hone the skills that he would later put to use on his victims. The idea of um, disemboweling, the idea of, like, detaching muscle sinew from the bone, the, like, everything like that. Oh. This yeah. is kind of his early, at least the earliest we can track with the records that we have, kind of the earliest point in where, like, Yep, sounds about right. <laughs> mm. <laughs> one plus one, there we go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. isn't that, isn't that like a like a thing mm -hmm. that it's connected to a lot of serial killers that yep. they all kill really cute animals? <laughs> Usually but, they kill well, most small animals. animals. Are most animals yeah. are cute, Usually so I'm gonna say that. Animals. Yeah, but like yeah. like too cute, like rabbits. You know? Mm -hmm. Usually like, it's cats. Yeah, like cats, like just assholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I feel like that's a thing that they all have in... Um... That's why I have an indoor cat only. Oh, and that's yes. why dad is on a leash, except for when he gets off the leash. But then mm -hmm. I have a heart attack running around the neighborhood looking for him to put him back on a leash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes. But yeah, no, I mean, it is, like, straight-up textbook. Yeah. And, like, um, I do want to give a heavy shout-out here. I, I do not want... Um, I know some of our fans of the show and even if you weren't you know even even if nobody was um i'm just gonna call myself out here like i grew up rabbit hunting you know like that was one of the first memories that i have with my dad in terms of like you know uh dad and son time out there bonding you know like we had beagles we raised beagles we ran rabbit you know every every fucking fall every winter let the beagles loose out in the cornfields be out there like first time I shot a shotgun like you know dad had it on his shoulder I was taking aim like he was making sure I wasn't hitting the dog but like the beagle would be chasing the rabbit and boom pull the trigger and stuff like that like right, so I'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> no but but there's an important distinction here is like you grew up in a place where it was normal to kill rabbits well it was like it makes in the, sense in the same mentality that you're like, I'm hungry, I'm going to the store. Right? So you were you eating know, the like, rabbits? Yeah, no, 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 we ate the rabbits. We didn't just, like, kill. We, like, when you grow up in a hunting family, you don't kill for the fun of it. You know? Like, some people, like, say with, like, coon hunting or whatever, it's, like, a weird cultural thing. I'm not super into it. I wasn't raised in it. I'm not going to pretend to understand it, but... But when it comes to deer, when it comes to boar, when it comes to rabbit, you know, things like this, it's just like, you go out in the fall, you know, like you go out with your dad, you're like four or five years old, you're just super stoked to hang out with your dad, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is something he's teaching you and this, that excitement about it. You go out there and he's all these skills and it, it's very complicated and it's a, um, it's a tradition that I honestly believe should be respected, only speaking for myself here. But, um... 
you go out, you shoot the rabbit, um, at least in like, you know, 90s, you know, you have like a huge collection of like grocery store bags, you like rip the fur off the rabbit, got it in the grocery bag, you go for the next one, go for the next one, go for the next one, come back home, do your thing with it in terms of like field dressing it, um, and then like pass it over to mom, and mom makes some like delicious food with it, right? And so it's, um, to not give disrespect to the life, it's harvesting. You know, it's the same as like going out and foraging for like mushrooms or something like that. It's just like, no, you're, you're killing something. Like, I think, I think that that, sorry to go off on a tangent here. People don't understand that when you go out hunting, when you're raised in a family that hunts or in a culture that hunts, um, it's viewed more as harvesting and the amount of respect that a hunter has to put into the actual hunt is is absolutely insane they buy gear they buy clothes they watch videos on it they da 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 you know they come from so many things and they think about it so much and really if you take all that down boil it down put it into a pot what you're looking at is a massive amount of respect for the moment that you take a life that is so much different than the mindless killing that like hunters get depicted as where they're just out of here just bang bang shoot 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 no dude <laughs> like that's not how it is and like there's there's a heavy sense of respect that goes with it and so i'm going to say as somebody who who you know <laughs> lived on a farm raised chickens in their early childhood uh slaughtered chickens you know went rabbit hunting and stuff like that what Anatoly did was fucking weird. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, I wasn't happy to see a raccoon's head blown off. I wasn't happy to see a, a rabbit dead. There had to be so many more um, emotional things tied to that moment, right? Before, like, I was, like, okay with it and trying to process it and stuff like that. Anatoly? homeboy just walked up slit the throat you know like kind of a thing and just like i'm killing this thing and he's yeah. like he's like 10 it's just like yeah it ain't right <laughs> you know? like he basically he, did it without like a purpose just yeah. doing it just to do it yeah and outside of a culture you know where that was normal he lived in the city in 1959 when anatoly was 20 years old he served in the military eventually becoming the unit commander he was ultimately accepted as a candidate member of the CPSU, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. The CPSU was the, uh, the sole governing party of the Soviet Union until 1990, and this candidacy was taken in super high regard. It was a really, really big deal that he achieved the status and things. Now, skipping ahead, we're brought to 1961. At 22 years old, no fewer than three key events took place in Slivko's life and development as a monster. Everybody pay attention here. Okay. <laughs> Everyone buckle up. <laughs> yeah. It's about to get weird. <laughs> it's gonna get real weird. First, a motorcycle accident he was a witness to. According to his own testimony, there had been a group of young pioneers, which are essentially the Russian version of the Boy Scouts, walking as a group down the street. A drunk motorcyclist riding at full speed slammed into them, severely injuring a 14-year-old boy and knocking him unconscious. A crowd of bystanders rushed in to help. Gas was filling into the street and blood was everywhere, covering the now limp, trembling child who was being picked up and moved to safety. This moment becomes Slipko's obsession. The young pioneer uniform, the smell of gas, the near lifeless, twitching body of the young boy. Slipko would later say about this moment, quote, the feeling of being attracted to boys first aroused. And I suddenly had a feeling desire to have such a boy to make him feel bad hurt Ew. the second major event that year would be his sexual awakening yep a finish <clears throat> for all intents and purposes 
he was an incredibly late bloomer. Um, I'm not knocking anybody that is, but I will say at this point in time, bruh, it's a problem if it stands out. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm saying it, I'm saying it. Like, hate me if I say it, but anyways, he was an incredibly late bloomer. It wasn't at until... 22, right? It wasn't until he was 22 that he had his first wet dream and discovered masturbation. What? Mm-hmm. According to his own testimony, quote, <clears throat> I experienced sweet satisfaction. I really wanted to experience this phenomenon again. In the afternoon, I began to masturbate. An erection came, and then ejaculation but he noticed a strange phenomenon. If he remembered a woman in the process of masturbation, the erection disappeared. He I'm began... offended. <laughs> he began to notice an increased attraction to boys. End quote. Uh-oh. Finally, the third major development. Having been highly recognized and decorated in the military, he received a gift. A quartz <laughs> movie gift. camera from the government upon his discharge. I thought that was super weird. Yeah, that is a weird gift. Because, yeah, it's like Soviet Russia, and it's like, here's a quartz camera for being in the army. Yeah, it's like, what the But it turns out when we were reading about it, they were, um, they were saying that he was, like, really well-known for, like, making amateur videos and films. Yeah. And, like, they actually won awards. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, he was, so, like, straight-up talented in terms of, like, films. Yeah. Oh. So they gifted him that camera. It makes more sense if you know that. But, but we didn't know that when we first read that. And we were like, what? what why? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, like, he... That's a very thoughtful gift for yeah. from them, though. But that, but that also... They yeah, they, but they loved him. They, they did. They, they did. did. And, like, but that also shows he was so high up in terms of recognition that like the higher ups upon his discharge took time to think about what should we get him yeah what is mm-hmm. he like like mm-hmm. like he was serving and you know it's a, it's like a manual conscription like it's just like you turn this age you either do this or you join the military kind of a thing like that was the situation right in russia at the time um, it's the same in Germany now, you know, it's the same in a lot of countries where it's just like, like in Israel, for instance, it's like either become a paramedic or you da 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 but everybody in the country has to do this, you know. Um, it, it's very common in a lot of countries in, in the world, and it was the same at this time in Russia. And so basically it was like, all right, you know, you served your few years, your couple years, you know, and now you're going to get discharged from the military. But, like, he made such an impact in his minimal required time in the military that the higher-ups who were in charge of whatever the fuck during his discharge are like, you know what we should get him? Like, this dude's, like, really down. We should get him the best camera. A color we, camera. Yeah, a color camera that we can find in Soviet fucking Russia. <laughs> In TV the 19 goddamn 60s. Yeah, TV was still in black and wow, white at the time. Yeah, and amazing. they gave him a color camera. They gave his ass a cumber camera. But the, but that's like expensive to... back in the day, too. Shit! And like, but it speaks to like how Much they well like he is moving through social chains, right? Snake. At this point, like, he's, mm. he's, he's good. So. These three moments, along with the dramatic events noted in his early childhood, will become the foundation for the dark desires he will eventually become consumed by and document. But before he began committing heinous acts on young boys, he was actually pursuing a female. They had held correspondence during his time in the military. The plan was to see her when he was released and possibly propose marriage, but after three days with her, he left, not being able to become aroused once. He took this as a sign that there was no future with her, which, good for yeah, her. Good, not, for her. <laughs> good for her. Yeah, seriously. Good for her, girl. <laughs> like, I'm Dad sure was you, watching after you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say, like, I'm sure you tried. I'm sure you were hot. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you would dime back in the day. He's the wrong guy. Yeah, everything was wrong with him. Nothing was wrong with you, boo-boo. <laughs> you were fine. <laughs> You're like 80 now, but still. <laughs> like, just remember this. 
listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode about the Soviet serial killer Anatoly Slivko. If you have any show ideas like this one, please email us at contact at blackcat.report. Also remember to like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever there's a pod, we're there to cast it. After that unfortunate encounter, Slivko returns to live with his parents in Novomusk. I'm really trying to pronounce it, (laughs) y'all. And attends the Chemical Technical College. Slivko graduates in 1963 and gets a job as a station wagon operator at the Azot Chemical Plant. And while he seemingly has no social ability to connect with his peers, he becomes viewed as a dedicated hard worker, so much so that he eventually is awarded the title of shock worker, which is a highly regarded title in the Soviet Union. Basically, you're the most commie of commies. In his free time, Slivko began to regularly go on hikes with children. He became known for this and was given a job as a, on a voluntary basis as a young pioneer leader in 1963 at the same school he used to attend. I would like to point out, like, he's in his 20s or so, and he just starts hanging out with children in nature, and everyone's like, instead of being like, hey, why is that man hanging out with our young children in nature? Yeah. They're like, let's give him a job. He's so good at it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But in all fairness, um, different times, dude. Yeah, they were like, you take care of the kid. Yeah. I mean, mean, isn't that like kind of like the same as those adult men that hang out with the little Boy Scouts, you know, in a way? Like, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back, that was like the Boy Scouts back then. If they didn't have the Boy Scout uniform and they were like trying to take your kid into the woods for a hike. Yeah. Would you still let them take your kid into the woods for a hike? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then again, I can see back then, you know, like now because we have so much knowledge of how creepy that is. Yeah. Like even like in Mexico, I mean, if I think about it, like my parents let me go inside other people's homes and there was no adult supervision, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I can see back then they were probably like, that's cool. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's like. Respect. (laughs) But like when we think about it in terms of like you know like those times like we literally have to view it as like those times yeah like it's monsters like um anatoly slipko that like ruined those times yeah he definitely ruined right? those times. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but like you know before this like outbreak of awareness of these monsters existing in different communities that you could relate to your own like it was just seen as something that could happen like Almost in a sense, like, the manipulation that these monsters held over local communities, right? They they were so powerful that they didn't just um, breach the home. They didn't just uh, dig into the psyche of the people closest to them that they abused, but they actually dug into the psyche of those in the neighborhood. And so on a wide scale, it was normal mm-hmm. because it made sense. Because who would you question? Because if there was somebody in your neighborhood that you did question, but they had such good reasons and they had such good, such a good way of delivering it to you for like rationale and shit like that, like why would you question them? When he started as a young pioneer leader, he was only in charge of planning trips. Even then, they were largely dependent on school administration. This began to get to him. He wanted more freedom and began to differ with the administration before moving to another school. And just as a side note, this was something he would repeat multiple times. He would get into a new school as a young pioneer leader and would basically be like, I want more freedom. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. And then you'd fight with them. It'd become a whole issue. And then you'd move to another school. And you move to another school. I think this happened but, like three or four times. Yeah, and then the thing about it, though, was he already pretty much had a club set and the kids would follow him yeah they would still be in the club no matter what school he went to they would still go on the hikes with him like borderline growing in number yeah yeah like that like he he reached a sense of like borderline like cult following of like young children who were just like wherever and it totally goes like that's where we're gonna go 
Because okay, he's so the most fun. Also, just yeah. question, was he like a good looking guy or no? Decent, eh. like decent. Eh. You know, he doesn't like... look like a child, like what you would imagine like a monster to be like. Because, you know, like yeah. Ted Bundy, just looks like his a man. thing was that he was a very good looking guy. And that's why yeah. people Ted trusted Bundy him. Ted Bundy is not a good looking guy. I'm sorry, all you thirsty white girls out there. I mean, like, he was a decent, good-looking guy. That for the record, brown, both these ladies are brown. Nose, that freaking no way, Jose. Yeah, but again, those, for like, those days, freaking dead eyes. The for eyes those of a dead days, fish. He was considered because he dressed very well. He was very charming, you know. He wore sweater vests. That's but not... that was like the, the the fashion back in the day too. So no, that's he why he was a Republican. <laughs> that's why women were attracted There's... to him. You know, damn girl, you're right. Like I can see why Republican. women were attracted to him and why they trusted him, and so many people trusted him. You know, so that's why I'm wondering about this guy. Was this guy he like was... a good looking guy? Yeah. Just a white guy is notorious for getting away with more than anyone in history, including, and I want to add, the repertoire of all of Michael Jackson's crimes. <laughs> it was also during this time as a young pioneer leader that Slivko started to lose control over his urges and began meticulously pursuing the realization of his morbid desires, not only in the set and setting of the acts, but in researching and developing an understanding of human anatomy quote Slipko directly. In books on medicine, I came across a description of retrograde amnesia in which, as a result of short-term hanging, a partial loss of memory occurs. Everything connected with experience is erased from it. I decided to experiment. His first victim it was on June 2nd, 1964, that Slipko would first indulge in his fantasies, or more so, attempt to recreate them with a non-lethal, quote, medical experiment, end quote. Young Cola, a boy who was only in fifth grade, was lured into the woods with the promise of being in a film that Slipko was creating. After making their way into the forest, Slipko and Cola proceeded to play out scouts running around and exploring before Slivko finally floated the idea to Kola to participate in, quote, a serious test of endurance, end quote. Kola agreed, and Slivko, after setting up a camera to record, proceeded to attach ropes to the nearby trees before tying them to the boy's arms and around his neck. After this, he tied a rope to his legs, telling Kola, to help him stretch. Yikes. Finally, Slivko told the boy to pretend he was being tortured and to act like he was suffering as Slivko began pulling on the ropes tied to his legs, choking the pinned down boy until he lost consciousness. Oh my god. Once Kola passed out, Slivko began masturbating over him until he came on the boy's shoes. Oh. When Kola awoke, he remembered nothing. Slipko had successfully induced retroactive amnesia and learned the process he would reproduce over and over again, upwards of 44 to 100 times during the next 20 years. Wow. Later that same year, Slipko would take his first life. A 15-year-old homeless boy, later identified as Nikolai Dobrchev. Slivko gave the boy an elaborate narrative about being in the process of, quote, writing a dissertation on the limits of human capabilities, end quote, and convinced Nikolai to volunteer for his scientific experiment. Again, Slivko lured the boy into the woods where he set up a camera and began filming as he tied a noose around his neck, suffocating him. But this time, after satisfying himself, Slivko realized the boy was not regaining consciousness. Slivko panicked and began trying to revive Nikolai, giving him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation and massaging his heart. When this failed, Slivko realized the boy was dead. He frantically began chopping up the body before throwing the pieces into the nearby Kaban River and destroying the film and photographs he had taken. How, like, what did he use as a weapon? 
to chop up his body. I don't know. Maybe a knife, an axe, a hatchet, mm-hmm. something like that. That's, like, a lot. He spent time in the military, and um, I don't know. I'm sure it's something that he probably picked up from, like, slaughtering animals and stuff. It's, like, easier to hide. True, true, true. That's wild. I mean, he also, like, if you remember back, um, and this will definitely become more pronounced uh, in the second episode in the series, um, if you remember back, like, he very calmly and methodically approached um, slaughtering rabbits. Like, he he knew the basic idea of, like, how tendons attached to, to, the, um, to the skeletal structure on the body. He knew how to cut up a body, right? And this was kind of, um, at least as far back as we can figure out, this was kind of the first moment where he, like, applied that knowledge. Where he was like, I know what to do. Mm. Like, I need to do this, like, mm. right now. And he kind of fell back to, like, instinct or habit, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, it is from these two events that we feel it is safe to assume Slivko started to become aware of the fine line his desires and decisions needed to tiptoe in order to render his victims unconscious or dead. He would begin meticulously recording and documenting the effects of his lethal and non-lethal experiments and further develop the complexity of the narrative he used to attract more victims into the woods. All this while forming a new youth club that will not only bring him notoriety and fame but protect his demented acts from suspicion and seemingly untouchable reputation. In 1966, with the help of the Youth Division Communist Party, Slivko founded Club Romantic. Based out of a library in the center of town, Club Romantic finally gave Slivko the freedom he was yearning for as a volunteer pioneer leader. The freedom to be around and plan events for kids. Club Romantic grew quickly, eventually having over 200 kids in it. And I'm not gonna lie, it sounded awesome. Yeah, it sounded really cool. They would go on like, um, they'd go on like multi-day trips. They would catch foxes. They'd play flashlight tag. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. They'd go over the river on tight ropes. Yeah, they, like, literally had, like, a, um, it was, like, they called it, like, speed-crossing rivers on tight ropes. Like, they had, like, competitions and shit like that. Yeah. Wait, so did he start this club? Or... Yeah, mm-hmm. he started this club. So he started a fun club. He started mm-hmm. a super fun club. <laughs> like, if I could pay, like, ten bucks a month to be a part of this club, I would. Ten? Like, that's... That's pretty... up there. That's up there. That's, that's like, up there with cheap. Netflix money. It's pretty cheap, though. I feel like I will pay fifty a month. Fifty? 20... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that for a whole month. And I bought my own ice cream tonight. This is fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is like a whole month of fun activities, you know? Yeah, but it's like and and like It's like a gym membership, you know? Kinda yeah. No no no. It's like it's better than a gym membership. Like it's like weekly slash daily. It became like a social club where like they were just doing fun shit constantly. Like one of the things that happened here, like, um, they would literally, like, go on, like, fox catching and stuff like that. They would, like, all go out into a field at night, and depending on their, like, their age class and stuff like that, and play, like, flashlight tag. They would go on, like, long-ass runs through the forest at night where they, like, only had, like, a compass to guide them through the forest and stuff like that. And it was just, I don't know, dude. Like, it, it seemed really like... fucking cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, um... what's that saying that it's the devil, um hides himself as fun or something mm. what's it say i've never heard i've that. heard devils in the details devil plays with idle hands mm-hmm. i never heard devil hides in fun i, mean, I know <laughs> that's it's some catholic not, shit yeah, i'm not aware of deep rooted catholic guilt no 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 it's like um it's like a saying that i've heard before that i mean obviously just like with anything like if you want to attract people you know yeah. Like, you have to entice them with fun stuff. Camp Camp of the Day! Welcome to Camp Club Romantic. A club for kids and an older man. Want to be a pioneer? Want to have fun? 
Want to go on trips away from your parents for long periods of time? Maybe even forever? Parents, send your kids to Club Romantic. Because don't we all need a vacation from our kids? Camp, Camp of the day! Play flashlight tag at night. Run through the woods with compasses and speed cross over over rivers with tight ropes. Um, later, they would even begin their own little films and movies in color where they would play pirates and spies and do all their own stunts. A lot of cool shit mm-hmm. for any age, I'm going to say, but especially when you're like 10 to 16, 17 years old. That's fucking dope as fuck. That like, is really cool. Y'all are yeah. like starring in local <laughs> movies. That's cool as fuck. <laughs> like writing your own scripts, coming up with your own characters, mm. playing out your own stunts. Like that's so sick, dude. That's like some Tom Cruise. I bet Tom Cruise went to that club. Dude, that explains <laughs> some. Yeah, that explains a lot. Um, <laughs> so, so anyways, but within two years, Slivko began facing an even deeper personal struggle. Of course, he did. His mom. According to our source material, in 1967, Slivko, now in his mid-twenties, would meet his future wife, Laminda. I thought he was gay. He's a pedophile. Yeah. Oh, so... But I thought he was... He's attracted to boys, not men. Yeah, he's... um, Oh, but I thought women also didn't give him any... No, 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 women didn't, but you'll you'll hear. So why is he getting married? Yep, but... Yep, yep, you'll hear soon. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, now in his mid twenties, when oh my god, future... I thought he was already in his thirties with this club thing. Mm-mm. He's still in his twenties. He's in his twenties. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. This dude, no, like I, I can't yeah, stress this, this is enough. Weird because in your twenties, you're hanging out with your friends. He fucking. He didn't have any. Huh. Yeah, he didn't have any friends, but also like he skyrockets in terms of like. Social status. Social status, social influence, social reputation. He is a fucking celebrity. Quote, Quote of, the day. of the day. Don't date your co-workers. And it's heavily insinuated, and not surprising, that he got married at the persistent urging of his mother. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Y'all, can you, like, seriously imagine what that conversation was like with, like, like this dude is like a budding fucking freak. Like you know for a fact. I don't. I don't mind making fun of the serial killers, you know. So like, you're his mom. You are the most like. I'm the the grounding rod to my child's place in the world. You know exactly what the fuck's going on with your kid. Like let's be fucking honest with you. And like, your kid's a fucking serial killer. Like that's a that's a hard lottery to pull, right? And like you're trying to tell your kid to get married. I mean, the mom probably knew and sensed there was something off with his kid, you know? But I don't but think she knew. that's probably why she thought he want, she wanted him to get married. Yeah. So that somebody could fix him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, fa- and that's totally fucking fair. But she probably didn't know details. Like, oh, he's killing yeah. little boys. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say that her intuition laid, like led her to a defined role in things, but I am going to say... That, like, moms have superstitious abilities. And yeah. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Cause My mom I've knows everything them. about me. She just yeah. knows. It's weird and it's uncomfortable a lot of times. I can only imagine what the conversation was like for, like, Slipko and his mom. Like, can we actually, like, think about that for a second? Like, he's like, You're a good, handsome boy, Ravioli. But gotta stop spanking your little beef stroganoff. Every night, Liam Kavas all over everyone's shoes. I'm tired of cleaning it up. You need to get out there. Find yourself a little hot rigatoni to make yourself some little beef raviolis with. Yeah, that went really pasta themed for some reason. <laughs> I know. I was gonna be like, he's, no not he's not Italian. He's not Italian at all. <laughs> Has nothing to do with anything. Literally has to do with a song that was made up after the fact just because ravioli, rigatoni, and anatoli had the same amount of syllables. Back to the store. And that he would. And boy, let me tell you, it was love at first sight. Met my life, Laminda, at work. I didn't feel strong feelings before marriage. I didn't touch her. I didn't try and 
didn't even kiss her. My wife told me later that she was regarding this behavior of mine as standard of, uh, I don't know, of modesty, and only for this reason married me. To make matters worse, he found himself unable to perform on his wedding night. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> um, and she had really low standards. She said he didn't want to kiss me or touch me. I'm in love. Yeah. And he was like, cool. Oh, she probably thought that he was being like respectful and a yeah. gentleman. But oh, that sucks. That's what she said. Yeah, she, was like, she, she was said. like, she was like, that's what why she I married said. you. You're so oh. modest. You're so da da da. You're so this. You're so that. You're so respectful. And then he's like, no, I'm just fucked up in the head, babe. <laughs> like, like literally came out later. He's like, oh, I'm fucked up. <laughs> and she's I like, actually didn't like you. I, I wasn't attracted to you. That's why I didn't. Shit. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so sad. So. To make matters worse, he found himself unable to perform on his wedding night, leaving Lumilda, Lumilda, self-conscious and eventually seeking help, thinking it was her fault. Damn, he, like, messed her up. Yes. Um, when they ultimately found out that it was not the case, Slivko then sought help himself, but was brushed off by the doctor who had told him to basically just take a tincture and fuck off. And to kind of, like, add to this, uh, the nurse literally laughed at him when he came into the office. So, like, not exactly a supportive atmosphere. Somehow, Anatoly and Lamilda managed to get through this, though. And in 1971, their son, Igor, was born marking the middle of Anatoly's cool-down period as a serial killer. Okay, how? They're married. She knows there's something weird going uh-huh. on. I mean, like, like even... They didn't when... sleep in the same bedroom. Yeah, well, like, was... how are you still married to this <clears throat> After guy? After their first son, they didn't. So, so if, I, if I recall correctly from our source material, like, um, Lamilda, um, she basically, like, she took it all on herself. You know, like, if she was self-conscious, classic patriarchal kind of, like, struggle. So she was just like blaming struggle. herself for everything. Yeah. But, mm. but, like, classic patriarchal structure. You know, it's like, if something's wrong, it's a woman's fault. Immediately. 100% that's how women are raised. That's how men are, tr- you know, taught to treat women. And, like, she's like, fuck, something's wrong with me. Like, it's me. It's just da-da-da-da-da. Damn, it's It's not him. And um, she takes this on. And then begins to realize, like, it's not me. And actually, when she came home from the doctor, there was a specific line in one of the um, uh, documents that Selena and I read where she came back home from a specialist. And to not beat around the bush, her cherry was popped, right, by the specialist. Besides all of that, though, 1971, their son Igor was born making the middle of Anatoly's cool-down period as a serial killer. How did she get him to get her pregnant? No clue. Mm Mm-mm. Huh. And that's where we'll pick up next week with Anatoly Slivko, part two. Thanks so much for listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode on Anatoly Slivko, the Soviet serial killer. We'll be back next week with part two. Please remember to like, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram as well. We have a lot of exciting and new content on there. And remember that we can't do this without